When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Mother's Day yesterday. Spent a lot of time with my mom. Watched a couple episodes of The Office. And afterwards, she looks at me and says, why can't you be more like Dwight? So that's how my weekend was. Hey, hope you're doing well. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, very special guest coming up between 730 and 8. Former member of the Edmonton Investors Group that owned the Edmonton Oilers comic book and action figure mogul. I think we can call him that. And originally from Alberta, Todd McFarlane will be on tonight. Part one of uh, an extended interview with him. Very interesting gentleman who has been very successful in a lot of different fields. You'll also hear from U of A hockey coach Ian Herbers. Canada West today putting out a new schedule format for the upcoming season. They did not put the actual schedule out yet, but they did announce the schedule format and they're taking games off the schedule because of the pandemic. I'll look into those details with Ian later on. The American Hockey League, we kind of knew this was coming, has canceled its regular season and postseason. It's been in pause for a couple of months and I think we knew this was coming that the AHL will not try to resume its 1920 season. To discuss from the Oilers farm team with the Bakersfield Condors, it is forward Brad Malone. Brad, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for popping on the show and obviously the American Hockey League today announced the cancellation of the season and Maybe we, we reached a point, Brad, where it was inevitable, but kind of just give me your reaction, your thoughts now that it's actually been made official. Uh, yeah, it's definitely unfortunate. Um, I don't think I was prepared, prepared for it. No uh, real go through this experience, so we're all kind of in limbo a little bit. And um, for them to make that decision, obviously, I'm sure it's tough on everybody, but... Uh, Got to look out for the the best of the community and all the communities and cities that we're uh, we're a part of. So I think it's uh, you know it's a big move and a disappointing move, but something that uh, you have to respect. Tell me what it was like. Uh, you know, March 11th was the last Oilers game, and then kind of the 12th and 13th, things started changing and being shut down and the the isolation and all that kind of stuff. What was it like for you? with the condors and then i suppose you you kind of had to to get back to canada and all that stuff too yeah no it was uh it was pretty strange i remember we were on the flight um we connected in phoenix on our way to grand rapids we had a friday saturday um slate against those guys out there and uh we're playing cards actually i was sitting next to caver and uh the boys had their internet going and they said that the um nba one of the nba players got had coronavirus and I think the NBA might have canceled them their games right then and there. So we kind of knew when we landed that uh, things were going to kind of go for a little bit of a crazy turn. And uh, practice got canceled that day about 2 o'clock. And then uh, we were on a flight the next day back to Bakersfield. So 
um, things happened real quick. It was, uh, you know, it was a pretty big snowball effect there that uh, that happened when the NBA d- decided to make that, and um, the American League followed suit. So then they gave us like a two-week window, they said, to just kind of stay at home and, you know, stay ready. And then about three days later, they called again, and they're like, you know, pack up and, you know, get yourself home. So it, uh, it escalated really quickly. You mentioned Caver, obviously Colby Cave, just a, a shocking and and tragic loss. I, I only got to know him as a as a media member, but he was always very upbeat, Brad, and he just seemed grateful for every moment he had as a professional hockey player and a chance to improve and and play. Uh, maybe a couple memories of Colby, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's a, it was a huge uh, huge tragedy. That's uh, you know, it's it's awful, really. It's stuff that we haven't been able to mourn and celebrate his life properly from a, a friend's standpoint but you know just being around him we were in the hotel together um two years ago up in edmonton that's when i met him and his wife and then uh you know this year we were together quite a bit so just uh you know all the stuff you read's true he's uh he was a passionate guy he just loved being around people and you know making the making the room a positive environment so um you know he was a, a call-up guy up and down guy and um, you can usually really tell the type of person a guy is when they're in that situation. And, you know, he was always positive and, you know, f- happy for other guys when they got called up ahead of him. And, um, you know, he worked every day. He was a great teammate. And then, you know, away from the rink, he was, uh, you know, he's a, he's a Saskatchewan boy. He's a great time to be around. Yeah. Brad Malone joining us tonight on Inside Sports from the uh, Bakersfield Condors. Some memories there of Colby Cave and the American Hockey League season has uh, has been cancelled. That announcement earlier today. Um, for, for you, you, you recently signed a, a two-year contract to remain with the Condors. I mean, you've been with the Oilers organization a couple of seasons now. Tell us about uh, about that decision and, and uh, you know, why you decided to stick with the Condors here for a couple more years. Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to be 31 here um, this month, so I'm just kind of looking at how things are going, Um, you know, the situation I was in and just kind of the relationships that have formed, uh, you know, within the organization. You know, I really wanted to kind of make a transition to, you know, eventually staying in hockey when I'm done. And, you know, I really, really believe in this organization and the direction they're headed. And um, I remember I kind of dealt with Keith on everything, and I just told him that, you know, if there's any way that I can help this organization grow from an American League level to, you know, eventually, you know, produce a Stanley Cup, that'd be something that I'd be, you know, very proud of and want to do. So um, they gave me the opportunity and they gave, have that, uh, you know, that faith in me to be a good leader and a good uh, role model for the younger guys and, you know, just kind of keep playing and doing what I'm doing. So it's, uh, you know, it's a situation that I'm looking forward to and, this year wasn't the greatest year for us on the in the leaderboard and the in the standings, but you know I think we got a lot of uh, you know good pieces coming back and we're starting to you know look like a pretty strong team on paper again. So I'm you know I'm excited to get back and uh, get it going again. Well, a, a lot of players who were supposed to contribute to the Condors, Brad, obviously wound up in the NHL. <laughs> you know, starting yeah. with Ethan Bear right at the start of the season. Jones came up. Uh, you know, we did a whole interview a few months ago on your relationship with Yamamoto. And by the way, he didn't slow down after we did the interview, so there was <laughs> there was no. no there was no jinx there. But uh, a, a bunch of the younger guys took that you know that that cliche step forward this year. I think. Yeah, and that um, you know that there's a lot of a lot of factors um, to that 
that you can give people credit uh, besides themselves. Um, you know, definitely, you know, Woody and Mance and JF and, you know, the, the work that they've done, um, you know, on the ice and off the ice with those young guys. Um, you know, it's been, you know, it's been great to be a teammate and be in a situation to see those guys, you know, improve at like such a quick rate and be able to contribute on a, you know, a really good hockey club in the National Hockey League. That's, uh, you know, that's tough to do. So it's uh, starting to come together. I think when I first got here, I guess it'd be three years ago now. It's uh, you know the culture has changed quite a bit in Bakersfield. Just uh, kind of the overall outlook um, at it all. So it's been uh, it's been a really good change, and you can start to see the the guys within the organization benefit from that. And what are you doing to stay in shape? We know that this season isn't going to be finished. We also, but we we don't know when the next one's going to start. So how are you? How are you yeah. keeping sharp and ready? Well, they got, uh, you know, the organization, they've been firing out uh, workouts for us, um, you know, like on an online portal. Um, my uh, two-year-old son, he's been quite the handful himself. He's probably like 35 pounds. So just trying to keep up with him and toss him around every day is enough and then usually get on the bike and body, um, body weight stuff. So I'm not now look at uh, trying to get some rollerblades to fire around town here so I can kind of stay in skating shape. But uh Everywhere I look, it seems like they're all sold out, so I'm going to have to dodge an old pair that I can whip up for a bit here until someone gets a good shipment in. Right. Well, sounds good, Brad. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. That is Brad Malone with the Bakersfield Condors. Some thoughts there on the season being shut down, memories of Colby Cave. He's in Kingston trying to stay in shape, and he has signed a two-year AHL deal with the Condors, and you heard him say it, he would like to uh, keep working with the Oilers organization even when he's done playing to help bring younger players along. Good to catch up with him. I think we saw this coming with the American Hockey League that it was going to reach a point where uh, they just couldn't sit here waiting, trying to get it all in. Major League Baseball expected to announce tomorrow uh, a, a plan to get the season going, likely in early July. We'll have some details on that, and we'll look into what Canada West is going to do that's the conference the U of A Golden Bears uh, play in. McEwen has several teams in that conference as well. They are cutting games, but they are hoping that they're going to be able to go ahead. We'll touch on that with Ian Herbers, Golden Bears hockey bench boss, when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hey, if you want to get in touch, not too difficult to do so. You can call or text 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D, Wilkins, W-I-L-K-I-N-S. We will have Todd McFarlane former member of the Edmonton Investors Group, coming up between 7.30 and 8 tonight, an energetic Gentleman who uh, once obviously had an ownership stake in the Edmonton Oilers. We will get that story tonight, part one of our interview with Todd. So here's what's going on with the Canada West Conference. They are chopping the regular season down because of the pandemic and trying to reduce travel as well. So, for example, football, instead of an eight-game regular season, will just be five. You'll play everybody once. 
Basketball, for example, they will keep teams within the province. So the BC teams will play only each other. The Alberta teams will play only each other. And then uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba will be in a division. That'll be for basketball and volleyball. They'll play 16 games per team. In men's and women's hockey, instead of 28 games, they will play 20 per team. And please welcome back to the show, Alberta Golden Bears hockey coach Ian Herbers. Ian, how are you doing? Good, Reed. Thank you. Ian, we've seen the Canada West schedule format rolled out for the upcoming hockey season. Fewer games for the Golden Bears, a few more games against teams within the province. You know, obviously there are still a lot of questions about the season ahead, but what do you think of the schedule format that's been announced today? Well, the coaches uh, for Canada West, we took a proactive stance and I actually, uh, this is based off my recommendation to try and make things good for all the schools in Canada West. Uh, They were looking, well, originally there was the 10 teams in our league and then play the 18 games. Uh, With Lethbridge dropping out, it was going down to 16 games. So added this little, uh, I guess, uh, twin, twinge or whatever you want to call it, tweak to the schedule where you add four more games. Um, so 20-game schedule, which balances out, gives us 10 home games, which is a good thing. Well, and, and I mean, there's so much, uh, obviously, uh, uncertainty, and, and the schedule itself has not been put out. So, uh, I mean, 20 still a, a comfortable number for you where you think you can determine, you know, fairly the regular season standings and who deserves what seating for the postseason? Uh, well, ideally, it, we'd like to play 28, but with the environment right now, uh, it makes it difficult with the way the schedule's working out. We're going to play every team once, uh, so we might be there or they might be in our building. Uh, then our last four games, we'll play two extra games against Grant McEwen, one extra game against Calgary, one extra game against Mount Royal to help with our travel costs, uh, where it's just in and out trips down to Calgary and just paying basically for a bus and some food and that's it, no hotel, no flights and different things like that. Um, so now with the environment and the way things are about fundraising over the summertime here, really not much choices for us. Well, t- tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, first of all, I want to ask your reaction to Lethbridge cutting their program because that was that's a pretty big one. They've been around for a while. Yeah, I hate to see that happen. I thought the coach down there was doing a, a very good job. I thought they had a very competitive first half of the year last year. Uh, gave us a tough weekend when we were down there. I think it was November or end of October. Uh, and it was very good. And then they just kind of sputtered coming out of the gate after Christmas. So unfortunate to see it happen. Enjoyed going down there. I have family that's down in the Lethbridge area, so always enjoyed our trips there. Uh, it gave me a chance to visit relatives in that as well. And I played there with the Broncos their last season that they were still in the Western Hockey League there. Um, so unfortunate. Uh, now it makes things a little bit different, a little more challenging with nine teams. So obviously two new teams coming in. Um, so once the f- next season coming up, when we get into a full 28-game schedule, it'll be interesting to see what the league does. In terms of, of the hockey program, so we we have the the cuts in funding from the federal government and you have the uncertainty of the season because of the pandemic. Can you touch on dealing with these financial challenges here? 
Well, obviously the provincial cuts uh, don't help. help. Uh, perfect storm kind of happened here this this spring. Uh, a big part of uh, athletics and, and especially our funding it comes from external sources for sponsorship. Uh, a big chunk of it. We have such a strong alumni group. We get a great support from them. Probably, probably the best support in the country for any for any team hockey or football or soccer or anything uh, a very good alumni group that helps support us uh, if we don't have that funding it would make things very difficult for us to run a proper show with golden bears hockey um, so now on top of that we don't get to do our our alumni golf tournament and other fundraising events over the summertime springtime here that hurts into our yearly budget anything what, what else have you lost in terms of things that would have been happening this spring a uh, big thing was as our our golf tournament our alumni golf tournament that we usually have at the beginning of june um that has been canceled um stan marple does a great job uh, sponsorship and finding sponsorship dollars for us uh that's all been put on hold with the economy right now uh, so those are these are big times for the the sponsorship and making connections and contacts and and finding people that want to support our program yeah all right well ian you know i'm glad canada west is planning to go ahead with the with the season we'll see what happens with the schedule but we wish you all the best and hopefully we're talking about uh, some games being played for sure next time we have you on yeah, I think it'll work out well just because we start a little bit later now. Uh, we always seem to start at the end of August, so now we get to start beginning of September. Uh, guys hopefully can work a little bit in this, more in the summertime. Uh, get a couple more exhibition games. At least there's no limit on exhibition games. Obviously, we'll keep costs down and keep it hopefully at Claire Drake or traveling in with Alberta. Maybe we do our one tournament in Saskatchewan. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to do a lot of our evals and our team building over those exhibition games to make sure that we're ready for those 20 games because now it's always a compact season with 28 games. 20 games makes it that more urgent. All right. Thanks, Ian. That is Ian Herbers, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. So schedule change for them. Instead of 28 games, they will play 20. Now, don't forget, in Canada West, Lethbridge has ceased operating their men's and women's hockey teams. Trinity Western and McEwen are joining. So nine teams total. They're going to play every team twice. That's 16 games. Then the Bears play two additional games against McEwen to get to 18 and then one each against Calgary and Mount Royal. So that gets them to 20. And uh, they, they will be flying. Some of the other sports that will just be inside the province, like basketball, for instance, they're going to be busing. They're going to cut out the flights. There, there still will be uh, flights, as I understand it, for Canada West hockey teams to cover some of the longer trips. I mentioned Major League Baseball. Looks like they're getting ready to come back. We may yet hear the crack of the bat, but hold the peanuts and Cracker Jack. Major League Baseball owners reportedly approving a plan to finally start the 2020 season. The season would begin around July 4th without fans in the ballparks. Spring training would start in early to mid-June, and each team would play about 82 regular season games. The plan also includes expanding the designated hitter to the National League. Owners are expected to present their proposal to the Players Union Tuesday. Dave Packer, ABC News. All right, so maybe around July 4th, it would be essentially a half season. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For Major League Baseball, we'll call a quick timeout for the 730 News and Weather. Todd McFarland, when we get back. Velvet Revolver killing Kennedy. Indeed. Which was this uh, album? This was their first album. I can see the cover. Oh, my God. I can't believe the name is... uh, What was the album called? Starts with a C. One word. Oh, was it Contraband? It was. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 a really good record, as we used to say back in the day. We'll uh, get to Todd McFarlane in about 90 seconds. The big L writing in. He says, hi, Reed. Hope you and yours are doing well. Live just outside of Calgary and play shinny at a facility in the city where a few years ago, Todd McFarland's dad played periodically. Couldn't imagine tying my skates at his age. He was in his early 70s, but he was always upbeat and, in fact, a bit of a funny trash talker, but a true inspiration. Uh, Haven't seen him in a while, so I'm assuming he took up something more challenging than playing with us. That is from the Big L. The Big L, I had no idea you lived just outside of uh, Calgary. I always pictured you, uh, like, on on an estate somewhere, like maybe just – I don't know. For some reason, I'm picturing just north of Edmonton. You got some kind of an estate with rolling land, and you, you have a veranda and maybe a hammock. Just, just, just sort of a stream of consciousness for you, Big L. How I think about your life. But thanks for checking in. Brad writes in. He says, "Hey, Reed. Very disappointed with Friday's show. It was going along just fine until you cheated me of the It's Friday Bob Layton clip and the Littlest Hobo song. The Littlest Hobo ate the tape." So we'll get that back for this Friday. It, it's already been fixed. We're good thank for this for, Friday. Yeah. Thank you for, for noticing. It'll be back this Friday. Yeah. That caught me off guard as well. But Kel, I had to, t- he's taped it all back together. He's taped the tape back together. I had to respool but, it with a pencil and one of those little <laughs> cassette sprockets that you used to yes. be able to buy, right? <laughs> exactly. So thank you very much. Appreciate the text, guys. 780-496-0063. Okay. Uh, Todd McFarland is our next guest on the show, and uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground with him. This is an honor to talk to him. Todd, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for giving me the time. Always nice to talk to fellow Canadians. Yeah, well, it's it's awesome to have you on the show, and, and thanks for checking in today. I, you know, I always I always sort of struggle sometimes with how to introduce somebody. I, I believe your formal title is CEO of Todd McFarland Productions, but I almost feel I should introduce you as just all-round creative dude. Does that work, too? Yeah, I I usually say uh, jack of all trade, master of none. So I've I've dabbled in enough things that it becomes uh, sort of long to list them all. So, but most most of the business is uh, sort of uh, comics and toys and Hollywood. Yeah, well, and I believe uh, Spawn, the the character Spawn, is. Did you not set some sort of a 
record on Kickstarter recently with a with an action figure. What's the story there? Uh, yeah, we, I did our my first Kickstarter. You know, I mean, again, my company went into lockdown, so and and the comic book industry got shut down. They weren't producing any new comics, so you know, I'm, I don't like having idle hands. Uh, we'd been talking about maybe doing a crowdfunding just to experiment to see does it make any sense for my company and my model and so we put a, a figure out there spawn which was the first toy i ever did way back in 94 and so i paid homage to that first figure did a did a remaster for sexy word and uh yeah it it, it blew up right i we were i i think we put our goal to hundred thousand we hit that in 11 minutes uh, we hit our first million and a day day and a half I thought we'd do a half a million. I thought that'd be our home run, our, our hat trick. And and then uh, went a little bit crazy at the end. We just ended on Friday. Ended up just a hair short of three and a half million bucks for one toy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, Spawn's quite a story for you. I, I think last year was issue 300. I don't know if you when you started pumping out the first few issues, you you thought you'd, you'd get to 300 or maybe you, you hope you did. Well, why do you think the characters had such great longevity? Uh, well, and simply put, cause I just never stopped. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, even if nobody wants to buy it, if you keep putting it out there, it still comes out. No. Um, you know, I worked, I worked at, you know, I, I grew up in, in Calgary trying to break up, trying to break into comic books. Uh, and then I finally got my break when I was down in the States playing baseball. But when we started our own company after I'd spent my time at Marvel and DC, uh, the character that I pulled out was a character that I'd created in Calgary in high school. I, you know, spawned with my guy. Uh, and we put it out there and I just, I, I, you know what? I, I always looked at him as like my, I mean, obviously on a much smaller scale, but you know, my Mickey Mouse, my Superman, like why, why not? Why can't it go for decades? Why can't it go literally for the rest of my entire life? Uh, so I just, kept pumping it out and 28 years later we set a record when issue 301 came out well i, I want to get more into, into the into the comic book stuff as as we chat here because your art on on spider-man and and the introduction of venom was a big part of of my childhood and experience of of enjoying comics but but we are a sports show sure. so let's dive in there uh, but, you, but you touched on baseball. Let's go there first before we talk about some of the other stuff. Because you was your original aspiration. I mean, would have a would have a seventeen year old Todd McFarlane wanted to have been a pro baseball player more than anything else, or what was it like? Fifty uh, seven year old Todd McFarlane wants to be a baseball player. What are you talking about? Like just one at bat in front of a crowd of fifty thousand would be awesome. Um, yeah, that was it. The, I mean, again, if somebody was to say, Hey Todd, you know, paint your perfect picture, uh, it would, in terms of a career, it would have been play baseball by night professionally. And then, and then during the day, just dabble and do my artwork and do comic books during the day and not, not hang out at the strip bars. I leave that to everybody else and just have two careers knowing that sports don't last forever having a backup plan, but it didn't quite, didn't quite go down that way. I mean, I got, I played Pac-10 baseball, so I played at a high level. Yeah. Just that I wasn't able to take the next step and, and get drafted into the minors and end up playing, you know, quote unquote professionally. 
Did you, did you have an injury as well that hindered you a little bit? I, you know, I did in my third year, but I, you know, and, and some people have, you know, printed that that was the reason it, that wasn't the reason. I mean, I was, I, I look at, here's where my skill sets were. Right. Uh, and again, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as a Canadian being born in Calgary, my dad then took us down to the States. I grew up in California. So we played all the sunshine sports, right? Basketball and football and baseball. Uh, so by the time I moved back to Calgary, I'm, I'm 14. It's way too late to join hockey because everybody's been playing since they were six. Right. So when you're, when you're 14, life, life's pretty easy. They either say, Hey, you can either play hockey. Oh, by the way, everybody else has been playing for eight years. And if you're lucky, you'll maybe be the puck boy uh, and carry all the equipment around or, Oh my God, you've been playing baseball for years. We don't even get any sunshine up here. You're a stud, right? What are you talking about? Between those two options, you can either be a dork or a stud. Most 14 year olds will say, yeah, I'll, I'll go over there where I probably can have a little bit more success. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, that, uh, you know, Canadian colleges don't have baseball programs, right? Nor, nor do high schools. So if you want to, if you want to keep advancing, you have to go across down across the border. So, uh, I did that at that time. Um, you actually couldn't even draft Canadians. They've, they've changed the rules since. And then in my senior year, after I was done, uh, and I, I was a center fielder. So just put it in perspective, little skinny, little skinny left-hander. So when you're left-handed, you get a couple brownie points. If you're the fastest guy on any sports team, they will always put you on the field or on the court or on in the rink. What are you talking about? Speed, speed never goes away. It never takes a slump. So that, that's what kept me going as long as it was. Everything else was mediocre, the hitting, the throwing, the power. It was all, the rest of it was mediocre. So I had, I had, I had better speed than some of the scouts told me than anybody in the majors. I was faster than Willie Wilson, they told me. And, but I, I just didn't have the body uh, from the neck down to basically go with it. I'm wondering who your favorite major league team was. Obviously the Blue Jays won back-to-back World Series in 92 and 93. And a lot of Expos fans like me said, say Canada would have made it three in a row in 94, if not for that strike. Yeah. No, that, yeah. Wow. And then we also had the other strike when the Expos were having a good season that you could argue led to the downfall when they came back that ended up making them move to Washington. So those strikes have not been good to Canadian baseball fans, let me tell you. But I do remember, I do remember 1977, uh, me and about five other guys playing hooky from school uh, on opening day to see the Blue Jays' first game uh, in the snow with Bill Singer was the pitcher I remember that day. And Dougie Alt, I think, hit a couple home runs. So it was like, oh my gosh, we're getting, we got another baseball team. I mean, we had the Expos, but you know, we weren't there on the ground level. We were too young for that. So when the Blue Jays came, it was, it was pretty awesome. Although, although uh, when I was younger, you know, me and my brothers, we picked our sports teams and, and early on I picked the, uh, for baseball, I picked the Phillies because uh, in, in 1972, when I was 11 down in the States playing uh, little league, my first year playing baseball, uh, Steve Carlton, a left-hander, went 27 wins and 10 losses for a last-place team. Dead last. They won 56 games. He almost won 50% of the games on a last-place team. It's like, if you win 27 now, shoot, they'll give you, like, every award that there is, let alone on a last-place team. So I patterned myself because I was a lefty 
And to this day, my, my windup is still Steve Carlton. And then the next day, this, uh, or next year, the next, this guy named Mike Schmidt came along, this rookie, and all of a sudden he turned into a star. So, I, But now, now I'm more of, because I've moved around a lot, now I'm more of you support the local team. So, you know, I live here in Phoenix, Arizona. So, you know, I, I, I root for the, for the Cardinals, who are the longest drought in a professional team of all four major sports. When the Cubs won and they broke that long drought, I remember the last thing that they showed on the screen as I went to bed after a celebration in the locker room was who now holds the longest drought in all four major sports. And it was Arizona Cardinals. So I went to bed with a dagger in my heart. Oh no. Uh, and, and then, and then the Diamondbacks, you know, I root for the Diamondbacks now more than the Phillies or some of the other teams I liked when I was a kid. Todd McFarland joining us at Inside Sports. Okay, well, uh, a lot of history with baseball and, of course, a pretty significant history with uh, the Edmonton Oilers. All right, so the Edmonton Investors Group, what's your recollection of, uh, uh, of joining that and, and owning a percentage of the team after Peter Pocklington uh, let go of the club? Yeah, well, look, sometimes you just, you know, they're just – dumb luck circumstances that sort of come along, right? I'm, I'm down here in, in uh, Phoenix, not really paying that close attention to what's happening at that point. And uh, I have a lot of family on my mom's side is up in Edmonton, right? It's a big family. And so one of my aunts happened to be visiting one weekend and she brought with her one of the Edmonton Sun uh, newspapers. And, and on the inside front cover, was essentially, I remember this clock, and it said that the bank had come in, they had seized the assets of Pocklington because of his default and his other companies, and he had used the Oilers as collateral uh, uh, for the bank loans. So they took, they took the, uh, the Oilers, and there were, there, were, there were some contractual obligations, and one of them said that if somebody from outside comes in and offers a legitimate number that it will start a clock and the clock means that local investors have to come up with a hundred million Canadian to be able to keep the franchise and buy the franchise locally. So uh, my understanding is a guy by the name of Les Alexander, who at that point had owned the, uh, the Houston Rockets um, from, from the Houston area uh, came up and made a significant offer and it started the clock. And, and so here we, here we go. And so I, by the time I made the phone call, because, I mean, again, put, 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 put us in perspective for people who maybe are a little bit younger. We had lost the Quebec Nordiques, right? From a Canadiana point of view, we had lost the Quebec Nordiques down to Colorado. And then we had lost Winnipeg down to Phoenix. I mean, much to my bonus, I'm going, woo, I got hockey here in Phoenix. Uh, but that was two of our teams had bled. And all of a sudden, we're looking at a potential third Canadian team leaving the country. I mean, it was – and so, I mean, you, you, if you remember, it was like we were starting to get – it was almost becoming a national story. We can't let a third team go. Um, so I made the phone call, and by happenstance, they were getting really close to the end, and they just needed – a little bit more. Uh, and so my, my timing was, well, how much more do you need? And I was in a position where I could sort of fill that last gap so that that group of us that was over 30 guys 
and, and investors um, that we were able to basically meet the threshold for the bank, which was 100,000 Canadian before the 60 day clock ran out. And we were able to keep Edmonton Oilers in Canada, let alone Edmonton in Canada. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was an, an amazing time. And so, so you get there. I mean, you've done so many cool things and, and saying you were the owner of an NHL team on the resume is, is pretty cool. Um, but there has to be, I mean, I assume it's not all glitz and glamour and sitting in private boxes when, you, when you're owning the team. I imagine there were maybe some bumps in the road or things you didn't expect along the way too. Well, well, um, well let, let's just look at it from a, a, a business point of view here. You can't have 30 plus people running a business. You, you know, this is that proverbial too many cooks uh, in the kitchen. So we, we had a board of directors and they, they, we voted them in so they could basically be our voice to management. Um, and yeah, look at here, here's, here's what I thought we did very well uh, from, the, from the management point of view and the ownership point of view. We lived, we lived within our means, which meant that if we, you know, pulled in $32 million, we spent $32 million. If we made 28, we spent 28. And if we made 35, we spent 35, right? We were one of the franchises that Gary Bettman sort of would hold up to other, uh, you know, uh, owners and saying, hey, you know, there is a way to basically not lose money, just spend what you make. Now, the downside of that, the downside of that, uh, a couple things. One, you know, we were part of the strike that basically wiped out an entire season, which was frustrating. Um, and it also meant that when certain players' contracts came up and made demands, and those demands were deserving because of some of their past performance or, or maybe their current past year performance, and we looked at our finances and we couldn't meet those demands, we had to let them go or we had to trade them, right? I remember Doug Waite being one of them. He was our team captain. And, and, and we had to let him go, trade him to, to St. Louis, because we couldn't, we couldn't match what he needed, and they wanted it in, in the U.S. dollars. So that becomes a little bit difficult, too, when you're doing the currency, uh, you know, sort of transferring. So, so we, we had limitations as to what we could or couldn't do being the Edmonton Oilers instead of the New York Rangers or the Detroit, you know, Red Wings at that point. Um, but, but, you know, we, we did as good as we could. We, and, you know, we, because of that, were we a powerhouse? No, not at that time. Uh, and, you know, we would squeak in maybe as the sixth, seventh, eighth uh, playoff team and then hope we'd get a nice run, uh, which we did. Um, and, and, and one of the years where we made it all the way to Stanley cup and even got to game seven. So and I remember my brother phoning me saying, Hey Todd, if they win, do you get a ring? And I hadn't even thought about it up to that point. And, I, and, and then I thought, wow, you know what? I assume the investors will vote themselves a ring. <laughs> so I, I, there was this moment where I go, Oh my gosh, best day ever. I can be a Canadian that only ankle skates because I grew up in California and I can have a Stanley cup championship ring other than owning the gray cup. Oh my gosh. Good day. Good day. But we didn't, we didn't win that game. Uh, and, and much to our chagrin and, uh, we ended up trying to do it the next year and couldn't, couldn't pull off. 
That is Todd McFarland, part one of our interview with him. We'll have part two tomorrow. He will tell you the story of designing the Oilers' famous flying oil drop third jersey, which I, I think a lot of you still like. I, I won't say everybody, but I, I get the sense it's still pretty popular, and he'll tell the tale of ultimately selling his share of the Oilers to uh, Daryl Cates, I guess, who about, what, 13 years ago now? So that is uh, Todd McFarlane, a uh, big baseball guy, played baseball in high school and college and got into the comic book world. And, and we're going to touch on his comic career as well. Really interesting and energetic gentleman, as I'm uh, sure you could hear from that interview. Kylo Chen texting the show. He says, hey, Reed, a couple of weeks ago, you were on Bob Stoffer's show and one of his listeners named Epstein's mother mocked you for collecting comics. Hopefully he's listening to your interview with Todd McFarlane and realizes a comic geek saved the Oilers in the late 90s. Hey, Epstein, the geeks have taken over. (laughs) You just don't know it. That is a text coming in from Kylo Chen. Back after the break. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Todd McFarlane, that interview will continue tomorrow. You also heard from Ian Herbers and Brad Malone. Malone from the Bakersfield Condors, the AHL season canceled. Ian Herbers from the Golden Bears hockey team, Canada West announcing schedule formats, and they will play fewer games once things get going in the fall. Just 20 games for hockey instead of 28, five for football instead of eight. Get the full story on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer this evening. You'll also hear from Kelly Rudy tomorrow night and likely a story on Major League Baseball tomorrow as they are possibly coming back around July 4th. My name is Reed Wilkins. As always, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're doing well. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.